Hello and welcome to this week's Politically Speaking podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio, and joining me today... Jason Rosenbaum of the St. Louis Beacon. And... Joe Manis of the St. Louis Beacon. Well, guys, it's it's like a blast from the past. We're talking Again. about it's all it, it all comes back to this. Uh, we're talking about Senator Claire McCaskill and and maybe a little bit of of Congressman Todd Aiken. But the big former news, Congressman. yes, yeah. former Congressman Todd Aiken. Thank you. On Sunday, above a recipe for frittata, uh, Senator Claire McCaskill announced her support. For gay marriage, let me just read on a little on Tumblr. On Tumblr, yes, that's very, why it was above the frittata recipe, right. and it wasn't it wasn't above any any animated gifts of, of anything. No, right. no, no cat photos. Either. No cat photos. Uh, here she says, "I've come to the conclusion that our government should not limit the right to marry based on who you love." My views on this subject have changed over time, but as many of my gay and lesbian friends, colleagues, and staff embrace long-term committed relationships, I find myself unable to look them in the eye without honestly conf- confronting this uncomfortable inequality. And this wasn't too surprising. There was a Politico story, um, what was it, a week a week before this came out, that um, she wasn't announcing any changes, but she was saying that her views appeared to be evolving, was I think the word that right. she used. So right. it wasn't... This wasn't out of the blue. Well, because she had said that for some time, that her views yeah. were sort of evolving. Uh, what was interesting to me was that I covered uh, her race for governor back in 2004, uh, and um, I was at the Post-Dispatch at the time. And at that point, there was also a constitutional amendment that was put on the August ballot that would ban gay marriage, and it won overwhelmingly. Now, she was running against then-Governor Bob Holden, who she did knock off. But they got in a big fracas over the gay marriage uh, constitutional mm-hmm. amendment. And what she was saying was that she she opposed gay marriage, but that she didn't see the need for the constitutional amendment because there already was a state law against gay marriage. So, But the difference being that she—and since then, she has said, like in 2006 when she was running against talent, the same thing. And she said, well, I'm not— you know, for gay marriage, but I'm, uh, she at that point was somewhat noncommittal on civil unions. Mm-hmm. So then, so this is a little bit of evolvement uh, since right. then because now she's saying marriage equality, let's just do it. Now, she did, was specific though in her statement that um, churches, she was not yeah. mandating, she didn't think government should be mandating that churches marry everybody, that churches, it's up to them to decide who they want to marry. Basically, what she's talking about is is the governmental recognition of uh, a gay marriage, and in fact, so in effect, for for from a governmental level, it would be a civil union if you went to the courthouse. It's that way if you go to the courthouse right. now and get married as opposed to a church. So that was fascinating. And then the next morning, Roy Blunt was in town. And several of us were there, and we were asking him about his views on it based on what she had said the night before. And Blunt, who always has a little bit of a wry sense of humor, said that his, that he, he said, I have not yet evolved. <laughs> and he said that he was all for contracts, you know, that, uh-huh. and he said so people could visit other people in the hospital or do things. He, he said that. Anybody can do now. You can sign. You, you can have a contract that gives you certain rights, and he, so he said he was not for gay marriage, but he was for that. Now mm-hmm. he did not 
at that point used the phrase civil unions, but uh, apparently on some radio shows on Tuesday, he may have used those two words. Yeah. And I think that after McCaskill uh, made this announcement, and this came after Rob Portman, a Republican from Ohio, came out for gay marriage, saying that his son was gay and that influenced his decision to change his position on that. And then a whole bunch of Democratic senators kind of in succession. The the Washington Post had a story this morning that there are only nine Democratic senators who are still against gay marriage. And then for the story that they were working on, five of them didn't want to talk to the Post about it. So, uh, you know, I, 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 read, trend. I read McCaskill's statement pretty closely. And it kind of – I don't want to say it was exactly the same as Rob Portman because it's different circumstances. Right. But it was a similar idea that – she has all these friends and staffers and people that are close to her who are gay or lesbian, and it probably influenced her decision-making and her opinion on the issue. I think that is the same for a lot of people, regardless of politics. If they have friends or family who are gay and they're very close to them, maybe they didn't think too much of the issue before those relationships were fostered, but afterwards it, it definitely colors their thinking a little bit. And then there's also the sub-issue that McCaskill made this announcement after he she won her election right. and doesn't now have to face the voters six in six years. But I, I do have to – I do I, – I did think about that for a second. But then I was like, if people were really thinking that was going to be a deciding factor in that race, I mean, you he was, she was running against the most socially conservative of social conservatives, and those two people weren't going to vote for her anyways because of her stand on, on gay marriage. Right, right, because she and Aiken really didn't talk about gay marriage in the general, but frankly, um, Aiken and his two opponents in the major opponents in the primary over the summer, uh, Sarah Steelman and Bruner, they had talked about it, and Aiken had made very clear what his, I mean, they, they, none of them were supported gay marriage, and, and uh, Aiken was the most conservative of them. Nobody who voted for Claire McCaskill in November did, I mean, where gay marriage had much to do with her. I, I just, it, yeah. it was all I about think if she would have made le- this legitimate rape. If she would have made this announcement in June or July or September, maybe she would have only won by 16 points <laughs> instead of what she did. I, I still think the outcome would have been the same. So it'll be interesting to see what happens for someone like Kay Hagan or Mark Warner. Yeah, yeah, North Carolina and Virginia, and Virginia, respectively. Who they're up for election in a couple of years. Someone like Mark Warner, I mean, he's probably going to be okay because he's a former governor and very popular in that state. Someone like Hagan, on the other hand, I'm not sure how something like come this out, will do this. Yes, yeah, she did come out in favor of it this week. But here's the big question. I, I think that there's, there's some subtext within it because you mentioned the 2004 – gay marriage constitutional amendment. And I, I, my, my thought process is the only way that gay marriage is going to be legalized in Missouri is either, you know, a court strikes down that amendment or sometime in the future, there's another vote to try and repeal that amendment. Because I just, I'm just, I just, I, if you look at, for example, the results of that, that's that prayer amendment, and we just think about how socially conservative a lot of Missouri is, I, I just wonder whether if a vote was taken in 2014 or even 16, what the results would that would be. I don't know if it would get 70 percent like it did in 04, but I, I'm not sure it would pass to legalize gay marriage in Missouri. What do you what do you guys think? I don't think it would either, because I think Missouri does have a pretty 
politically active uh, social conservative block. And then, you know, rural Missouri, they're not that keen on it anyway. I think they see it as somewhat of an aberration of urban parts of the state. But I think things are evolving. It could be maybe 10, 20 years from now. Yeah. It it changes, but it, I, I think it's not um, uh, it, it's not something that, that's on anybody's front burner now. So I don't think it, I'm sure. Frankly, skipping back to November, I'm sure that frankly, most people assumed that McCaskill was more amenable right. to gay marriage. I mean, I think that was probably an assumption in November. I mean, it was all about rape in November, but still, I I really think that and. The Beacon, by the way, we had the story up about her switch uh, Sunday night, you know, so we had it on the on our site within a couple hours of her doing it. And then, and then the other the other the reason why this issue is getting so much attention is because the Supreme Court is hearing two cases, one on yes. the California gay marriage ban and one on DOMA, which basically denies federal benefits to same sex couples and both both Chris and I were at uh, a Medicaid speech by the governor where he was asked about gay marriage, and he didn't want to talk about that at all, just like no. he had not wanted to talk about in Kansas City. Um, I did ask him about another thing that is kind of floating around the legislature, which is adding sexual orientation and gender identity to the state's uh, anti-discrimination policies. State. We've talked about that on the show on a local level. And he he did say that he was for that, and that's news. Yeah, and that I, was news. The way the way that. he phrased it was, "I've been for that in the past, and I don't know why I wouldn't be against it now." But I don't remember him ever yeah. saying that before. And the reason why I asked that question is, when you talk with um, LGBT groups like Promo, that those are the types of things that they're focusing on now. Right. They're not right. focusing on trying to get gay marriage legalized here. I'm sure they want that, and that would be something that they would be more than happy to do. But talking with A.J. Bockelman yesterday, I mean, they're realistic, and they're trying to take a pragmatic approach of doing something that could actually eventually make it through the legislative process. Do I think it's going to happen immediately in the legislature? I think it's a challenge, but it could be something that I think that they're going to be trying to do over the next few months and years until they kind of reach the finish line. Because what they're trying to do is add these two things to the Human Rights Act, the anti-discrimination laws. So there can be kind of a recourse if somebody's fired, if they're if they're LGBT, or if they're denied housing or apartments, or if they're denied public accommodation. I, I think they see that as something they want to do now, just as they've been trying to do that on a local level in St. Louis County and all these municipalities. So the governor supports that, and if it made it to his desk, I'm sure he would sign it. But making it to his desk, I think, is the, is the challenge there. So. I think he just wanted to make that clear to send a signal to the Democratic base because I still think he may have uh, other aims in, by 2016 when he uh, would be— Does he want to be Jefferson County uh, exe- uh, County executive <laughs> no, or something I like that? I still think he may be looking at for a VP <laughs> or something. But talking about promo and other gay rights groups— I believe, and I, I may have said this before, I think in some ways they're borrowing a page from the anti-abortion movement, which as a rule, although there's been a lot of very strong uh, anti-abortion laws that have passed a few weeks in some other states, they have taken this incremental approach of you know, doing, getting baby steps through the legislature, getting this through the legislature, trying to build 
uh, up. So then you do have a stronger base of anti-abortion legislation as opposed to going in from the very beginning and trying to get everything passed and trying to get it banned and all that. So it's been like imposing restrictions on clinics, imposing waiting periods, doing that sort of thing. And in some ways, I think the gay rights movement have kind of borrowed that approach. You know, on the other side, where they're like in, in, in Missouri, where they're focusing on anti-discrimination mm-hmm. and housing and employment and those types of things that would have almost very strong appeal, and then they will build build up to it. So, in, I think that the, they're taking a very pragmatic approach. And and you know, I mean, we're interested to what what the governor has to say about things, even if it's a constitutional amendment, right. and he's not responsible for signing or implementing it. But it has to be noted that his opinion on this is is somewhat symbolic because, in or as I just mentioned before, in order for the marriage issue to be changed, it would have to either get you know it'll have to either be struck down by a court, as I've said, or it'll have to go to the ballot again. And the governor, beyond just pushing for things, he doesn't have a huge role in ballot initiatives. But I mean. It was a topic that I think a lot of people wanted wanted to hear about, and that's why I think it, the reporters asked Well, because he is a and spokesman for the party. Yeah, it's demonstrative because, you know, those are the two highest-profile Democrats in Missouri. Right. You've got McCaskill and, and Nixon. So yeah. it, it does matter what they think. Yeah, because it becomes the face of the party, yeah. of the Democratic Party in the state, where you have one who's for gay marriage, and the other one maybe is not willing to go that far, but is for uh, uh, protecting uh, everyone from— discrimination wants yep. to add him. So it does and, create this and we image. Didn't, we didn't even mention this because at last year when he was interviewed by KOMU, that wonderful TV station in Columbia, he pretty much said specifically that he's not for gay marriage and he hasn't been in the past and he doesn't expect a lot of legislative action on this issue. That was, what, five months ago yeah. or something like that? Yeah. So when he said he made it, when, when we asked him about it, he said his position was clear or he said he talked about his position before. That's what his position is based off other published reports. Right. right. So I think it's worth mentioning that because mm-hmm. um, he has made it – he has made his opinion on that issue um, known in recent months. But, you know, the key question – both you guys have mentioned this – is that is, is, is any of this is going to have any impact on the legislature? I don't think so. I think they have other fish to fry this session and anything on the um, – uh, it's not just marriage equality, but just on, on any front, anti-discrimination or anything. I think they're focused on other issues and not that. Well, let's move on to the the big-time elections on Tuesday. The town is a buzz. Going to be at least 19% of the vote getting out. <laughs> I don't even think it's going to Tons of TV ads. <laughs> yeah. Not. Not. Not in, not, in, not in the city, although the mayor did send me a poster size flyer explaining his uh, sustainability plan. I am not featured in it, unfortunately. Uh, Rich- what's the point? I, I, I think that uh, Richard Callow must have been, assuming that Richard Callow is responsible for putting yeah. pictures of me in the mailers, <laughs> wanted to give me a break or psych me out some more. But well, well, let's talk a little bit about the marquee issue on, on mm-hmm. at the polls, if there is such a thing on in this election. In the city and in the county. Yes, in the city and the county, not in St. Charles County, but Proposition P. Yeah, we, you know, we've, we've talked about a few times. Yes. A.K.A. the arch tax. A- A.K.A. the arch tax. It's a 3 16th of a cent sales tax. It's estimated that it would raise about $31 million, and it goes a to— year. Yeah. Yeah, $31 million a year. Uh, goes to 
the City Arch River, about 30% of it goes there, 30% goes to Great Rivers Greenway, and then 40% goes to city and county parks, but Mm -hmm. the vast majority of that goes to county parks. Yeah. So it's multifaceted, and I think we call it the Arch Tax because it's an easy shorthand to describe a much more complicated proposal. But in reality, about 70% of the proceeds don't go toward the arch. They go to either Great Rivers Greenway's goal of building this river ring of trails around St. Louis County, St. Louis City, and St. Charles. They're still going to do that because St. Charles is still part of that, as well as maintenance improvements at county and city parks. And just from talking with Tom Ott and Gary Bass, the amount of maintenance, for example, in the city that they have to do is staggering. And the amount of money that's going to be brought in that this is not going to be nearly enough to fix everything within that park system. And it's probably not going to be able to fix everything in St. Louis County either. But it'll give a predictable source of funding for that sort of well, thing. It provides I, some it, found, it, foundation. I, I talked to Tom Ott uh, earlier this week. And if I remember correctly, I think his operating budget is something like $18 million. And what, what would go to the county parks would be about $6 million. Yes. So, I mean, that's a sizable... That's a sizable addition. Yeah. Now, they're already dipping into their reserves, so I'm not you know, saying that this is going to be, you know— And as I kind of mentioned—and I kind of top. mentioned earlier last week, there are some people who are, are trying—like like Steve Stanger was the person that I mentioned, but I think there are other people that are trying to say, well, this money is not going to be the be-all, end-all of where these right. parks operate. And when you talk with Tom Ott, if he's saying that it's going to be for maintenance projects and things that they need to do— In some instances, that's a correct assumption because this money is not going to increase staff. It's Mm -hmm. not going to go toward buying more parkland. But, I mean, that's only part of it. I think the big ticket marquee thing that people are talking about is the arch part, which Joe kind of talked about the strategy um, in an article a couple weeks ago. I think we talked about it on last week's podcast. Right, which Mm -hmm. is low-key, low-key, low-key. I mean, they're sending out these flyers. I've gotten several of them because I live in the county. Yeah. But if you're not a regular, I mean, they're targeting people who generally vote. Yes. Yeah. And if you're not somebody who generally votes, you probably have not gotten nada. Yeah. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And um, so I think now the St. Louis County Republican Party, as I mentioned before, is opposed to it. And they are, they say they've been, they're going to be putting out flyers. I haven't seen any yet. Uh, they have emailed me some copies of what they're putting out I think against their funding it. is very low. Yeah, f- funding is very low, and in part because the big money people in the Republican Party are all, all the behind it. Yeah. They're yeah. all and they're they're paying for the campaign for it. And as a side, Proposition P, they raised close to a million bucks. We uh, wrote about yeah. this earlier this week. The bulk of the spending has not been gone this is just an aside, it's not gone to local firms. It's been going to this firm out in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a multi purpose uh campaign firm that handles that specializes in conservation issues. Yeah. And so they're getting most of the money. And, and uh as we were talking about, if you haven't if you aren't, you know, a consistent voter, you probably haven't seen it. What's interesting is that they've been advertising on YouTube and and Hulu, actually, for yeah, this. Yeah, I've seen those, too, when yeah, I've been trying like... to look at my cat videos or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't. I watch dog videos. <laughs> I don't need cat videos. I have two cats who do it live. But, 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 but yes, they are kind of—they're yeah. not—I haven't seen anything on television. I think it's far more new media. 
sort of I, stock. Yeah. When I looked through their campaign finance reports, I, I didn't see any television spending. But they no. sp- they did spend about uh, forty thousand on uh, new media, online stuff. Um, because they're not. I don't. I don't even think they're doing any radio. No, so I haven't heard any. So mm-hmm. it's it's extremely low. But key. I only listen to St. Louis Public Radio, <laughs> where we don't have commercials. No, so. that's a that's that's a shame. But the other thing, on, I mean, there's very little on the ballot in St. Louis City beyond the arch tax and the mayor. But the mayor. But is we've already, already said done. the Green Party yeah. guy. There's, there's the Saint, has not been out there, campaigning at all. No yeah, one's no. seen or heard from him. There's the St. Louis County Community College race, which I'm, Joe and I have been talking about offline, where. Steve Stanger's wife, Allison Stanger, is running against uh, Joan McGreevy. McGivney. Givney. She's Sorry. a former city councilwoman, school district person in Webster Groves. And I think there are a couple other people in that race, yes, too. Yes, but, but she and uh, Allison Stanger are the two most active and have been sending out flyers. And because of where I live, uh, I've been getting the the dueling I still flyers. don't understand why there's so much action for that race. What's the payoff for being on that board? Just... You get to run a community college and you... Well, some people, I mean, they feel strongly about the community... community colleges? Yeah, right, right. I mean, it's not like it's not a big paying race. Hey, this is just like the whole thing with uh, Cole McNary and yes. uh, Jane Cunningham <laughs> running for the Monarch Fire Protection District. The pay for that job, whoever wins, is $200 a meeting. And they meet sometimes twice a month. <laughs> Who do you, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you wrote about that, and that race I think is there's there's a lot of local races. If you go to yeah. the Beacon, you can read about you know the Chesterfield mayor's race and the Fenton and the uh, Clayton mayor's race. Yes, the three way Clayton mayor's. I which mean, is very spirited. And I mean, mayors don't have a lot of power in St. Louis metro area, except for places like Florissant, where they do have a lot of power. So you know. It's, they're leaders of the city. They get to vote on the council sometimes, but and they and they're most of them. They are the chair of the councils, but most of the uh, communities in St. Louis County, with the exception of Florissant, are run by city managers or city administrators. So the mayor is more likely the head of state, in effect. Yeah, doing the ceremonial right. stuff and overseeing the council meetings. But not actually handling the day-to-day stuff. But, but the McNary-Cunningham one has gotten a lot of attention because McNary ran for treasure and lost by 5% to Clint Zweifel. And Jane Cunningham got redistricted out of her Senate seat. I would imagine if she would have run for re-election, she would have been favored to win another term. Do you have any insight over who has the edge in that? Because, you know, McNary... The McNary name is known throughout West County because his father was county executive. But Jane Cunningham, you can say what you want about her views. She's proven to be a very effective campaigner yes. in the past. She's very well connected, as seen with all the endorsements that she got. And, and she really seems to want this position very, very much. So Yeah, because most of those endorsements she got, which include Jim Talent, uh, Tim Jones, uh, Tom Schweik, who's the state auditor, she got them because she asked for them. I called these guys or collared them at different events, and they all said, well, we endorsed her because she asked us. And in some cases, Jones told me that he endorsed her, not realizing that Cole McNary was running. And he said, I just want to emphasize, nothing against Cole McNary, but I've known Jane a long time. This is not anti-Cole McNary. Jim Talent told me the same thing. Um, the big issue in that race is that... Uh, Cunningham is contending that the firefighters are basically running the show out in Monarch, and 
also because Monarch is considered the largest, I mean, the most influential fire protection district in St. Louis County, that Monarch kind of sets the tone for the other fire protection districts. And it, like most of the ones in St. Louis County, the firefighters are represented by the uh, International Association of Firefighters and uh, Local 73 or one of the other locals. There's a couple different locals. But she contends that the unions have too much power. She wants to uh, re-examine their benefit package. She uh, says because whatever is approved in Monarch tends to get improved in the other ones. Cole McNary says that he was asked to run. He's pretty upfront about it by some people who thought that Cunningham was trying to turn the Monarch Fire Protection District in what has been nonpartisan into partisan. And they point the fact that she keeps using uh, the word union. She doesn't refer to them as firefighters. She calls them union. And and uh, McNary says that he's running as the candidate who will keep politics out of it. Uh, Cunningham says politics already is in it. Uh, so, but that's kind of the, it's really the back and forth. And she points to the fact that McNary is fairly opposed, I mean, supported by most of the firefighters. Yeah. So I, I think she is trying to make this a referendum in the district on unions. And that may or may not be a strategy. Now, she points out that that the fire protection district takes in a lot of Republican territory. So she thinks that um, her views would be fairly sympathetic to many of the voters. But again, depends on turnout. McNary thinks that the voters are turned off by that sort of thing and that they don't want so much partisan bickering when it comes to uh, fire protection. So you could say it's a hot race. (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's, a new, that, it'll, that's it'll be, a new low. It'll be put out on Tuesday, though. Oh. <laughs> and One on way that, or the other. And on that low note, <laughs> we'll end the podcast. Uh, you can you can read all of our stories, um, or you can read all of my stories at stlpublicradio.org. And actually, St. Louis on the Air uh, was devoting a show toward the arch tax, uh, where we had people on both sides of the issue on. So you can give that a listen at our site. You can read Joe and Jason's stories at stlbeacon.org. You can follow, follow me on Twitter at csmcdaniel. You can follow Jason on Twitter at... Jay Rosenbaum. And Joe? At Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And we'll be back next week where we can talk about these very heated and contested results, I'm right. sure. Well, yeah, because they will have an impact, even though maybe turnout may be low, but it's like anything else. Every election has... And impact. And these races probably impact you more in your pocketbook than the a U.S. Senate race directly. Correct. So. Yeah. So get it out and vote. Until then, so long. So long. Vote.